before you became a believer, you could do pretty much what you want and you didn't really feel bad about it. But once you become a believer and you uh, maybe you do a sin or, do, or make a mistake, uh, you feel bad about it because now you got the Holy Spirit inside convicting you. And when you repent, uh, you can restore that relationship with God, you know. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, you know, as we are in this new year, evaluating and thinking about a lot of organizational change and vision for this year, we have to personally think about our own change, repentance, a change of mind, turning towards God continually and our own integrity and holiness. And this is what this bonus episode is all about. Another conversation with my dad, Pastor Joe Williams, on the importance of repentance. Yes, we not only want God to work in our churches, but in our lives and that's why this ministry is here for you and your calling to encourage and equip you and so thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast please share with your friends write a review it helps get the word out to connect to more church leaders to encourage and equip them as well and don't forget to connect with us go to eeleaders.com find out all the platforms that you can connect with us because we love having you be a part of our community Well, welcome back, everyone. We're going through Nehemiah. Uh, We did leadership lessons in season four, and then we had a conversation with Pastor Joe Williams, my dad with 40 years of ministry experience, and he's back at it again, giving us wisdom and insight from questions he does not know that I'm going to ask. It's just a conversation. It's great. And so uh, I just thought this would be fruitful and beneficial for you as we are on season break, preparing for season five uh, with all new content, video content, going to be doing a lot of great stuff, have some amazing pastors and leaders sharing. And so as I cultivate that and get that ready for you, Uh, Just giving you some extra bonus questions. As we continue our study through Nehemiah, the wall is completed. The people are in revival. uh, And today we're going to go through chapter 10, just sort of getting context of the chapter, getting our questions from that, having a conversation with the Reverend Joe Williams. Now, why don't you like being called Reverend? Come on, man. Oh, it just reminds me of the old days and the (laughs) traditional churches. They call you Reverend. And I've never been really comfortable with that being called reverend sometimes people call me pastor joe sometimes people just call me joe you know that's okay that's i don't i don't have people call me reverend either but i like to call all my friends that because i know they don't like it uh we're here uh looking at chapter 10 where this chapter is about how people make a covenant with god Uh, Verse 38 of chapter 9 sort of gives us the context so as we uh, gather around this chapter 10 and get some questions from there Let's get the context. It says, because of all of this, uh, what? Because of the revival, because God did a great work in building the wall, sharing the word. Ezra now is teaming up with Nehemiah. People are confessing sin. They just be reminded about the attributes of God and who he is. It says they responded to that way of God that they said, we may will make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed documents are the names of our princess our Levites and our priest. And so we really see they're responding to how great God was saying, uh, because of who God is, it's going to affect the way we live our life. Uh, having God 
in your life changes everything. So let me just start with this question. How has God transformed your life over the years? Before I became a believer, I was, you know, focused mainly on the things of the world. Uh, things of the world, you know, things, temporary things. But when you become a believer, a lot of those things, you know, just become uh, uh, not, not important anymore. You start focusing on where you're going and how you can spend your time while you're here, uh, knowing that this life is so brief. So he changed your way of thinking. Uh, I think as we read, we think more and more like him. That's what he wants. I didn't know really how to become a Christian. Uh, I, I thought I was a Christian just because I was in the Methodist church. I thought I was a Christian, but uh, once I heard the true gospel, I knew then that I was lost and I needed Christ. So that's when I repented from my sins and came to him in 1978. And I've been walking with the Lord ever since. How important is it for us as leaders to always make the gospel priority. For example, Paul said, I, I, I want to remind you of the first thing. How give this the first priority that Jesus came according to scripture, died according to scripture, and rose again. It's a priority in his ministry. How much should the gospel be a priority in our ministry? Because there are people that even follow us that aren't even saved, are Christians, and you're never going to get that power of transformation unless people respond and repent to the gospel. Yeah, you gotta you gotta preach the gospel because the gospel changes people's hearts. Uh, you know, the gospel changes people from the inside out. And that is the only hope for America, even right now, today, is the gospel. And that's why, you know, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say go and preach psychology. He didn't say go preach politics. He didn't say, he just said go preach the gospel, the good news. The world needs to hear some good news. They're hearing enough bad news. They need to know how they can be forgiven, how they can go to heaven. A lot of people don't know that. We hear it all the time at church, you know, people throwing scripture back and forth, but the world does not know uh, the gospel and they need to hear. And that's our job is to uh, take the gospel to them. Well, what is the gospel? Define the gospel for me. Well, you know, it's good news that Jesus died, you know, for our sins. You know, the Bible said, according to the scripture, he was rose the third day. And uh, and now he's in heaven making intercession for us and we can have forgiveness through his name and uh, go to heaven. He paid the price for earth, for our sins. He was that perfect uh, lamb, that perfect sacrifice. And we can have life through his name. That is the best news that anyone uh, can ever can ever really f have because we all going to face him one day, you know, either either as your savior or as your judge, you're going to face him one day. And if you've heard the gospel and if you said no, uh, that's very serious. If you say no to the gospel, because like Paul said, it is the power of God into salvation to anyone who will believe it. If you don't believe it, well, it's not going to do you any good. But if you believe it and accept it, it can transform your life. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to make sure that we always explain the gospel, even though, like you said, it's simple. We hear it all the time. Jesus came according to scripture. He died according to scripture. He rose again because the Bible says in Colossians 1, we as even Christians grow in the gospel. So Nehemiah chapter 10 is a chapter one of repentance. 
to change their mind. They're turning towards God as they make a covenant with God. That simple outline in verses 1 through 29, it's uh, who made the covenant. And there's a long list of names of these people that make the covenant um, with the Lord in verses 1 through 29. And then in in verses 30 through 39, it's what the covenant was. And so in our lives as Christians, let me just start here. How important is repentance? And what about uh, what about in our leadership as leaders? How important is is a leader to repent and to walk in repentance? And what does that look like for us today? Yeah, repentance means to change, you know, to change your mind. And it applies to leaders just like it does anybody else. Uh, You know, we preach Christ and him crucified and we preach repentance you know, when you teach others, you also teach yourself. So if, if you really have repentance, there will be there will be fruit of that repentance. You know, uh, that's what John the Baptist told the Pharisees. Right. You know, generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth fruit of repentance. There was no fruit in their lives. So John said, bring forth some fruit. I think if you really have repented, uh, there will be fruit in your life. It will be evident to those around you, it'd be evident to you because you change and you don't see things the same way as you used to. If a person falls into sin, if he goes to God for uh, and repent of that sin, uh, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So repentance is not a bad thing. If repentance leads to change, if it's going to lead you to change, I think it's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with repentance. Yeah. What I think is interesting, too, in these verses, um, if my math does me right and I wrote it down in my notes, there were 84 leaders in total that repented. So this long list of names in the first 27 verses of chapter 10, there's Nehemiah, there's the priests, there's the Levites and even civic leaders. They all repent. And what's interesting in verse 28 and 29 is the people follow the leader's example. Uh, because all these leaders are named and it says these noble leaders and it gives a list of priests and Levites and Nehemiah and um, all these people, they're repenting. Now the people are following that. How important do you think it is to model for people what to do? Not just to tell people what to do, but man, you got to model this thing. You got to, the people, it's a vision is caught more than just taught. You got to show them the way, lead the way. What does that look like for leaders today? Well, leaders lead by example and people are watching you know, we talk about faith. Okay, uh, how was our faith? Is your faith strong in the Lord? We talk about love. Okay, do you love the Lord? Do you love His people? You know, we talk about faithfulness. Are you being faithful where God has put you? Uh, have you repented? So, a leader uh, he teaches, yes, but uh, he also he learns and he grows also in his teaching also, and we want to apply those things. Not only, you know, to our congregation, but also to ourselves. We talk to ourselves, too. When we tell them to do something, it applies to us also. Yeah. So as these people, they made a covenant with God. They're repenting. So how does how do we as leaders, as Christians, practice regular repentance? Um, and why do you think it's so important to practice regular repentance? Well, you know, don't let it go. You know, if you see something that you need to that you need to repent of, I think the sooner the better. You don't want to put it off because 
you know, you know, you know what you should do. The scriptures say, you know, if you know what to, to do good and don't do good is to use sin. You know what to do and, and putting it off. It's not going to make it go away until you really uh, confess that sin before the Lord. And when you do that, you, you'll find such a relief, really, when you do that. Um, repentance is, is good. It, it's good for you because it humbles you. And uh, I think it causes you to grow also. Why do you think living a holy life is so important to God? For a leader to live in holiness and righteousness and a pure life, well, how, how important is that in leadership and leading God's people? People are really watching what you do and not what you say. Um, and it, I, mean, I mean, we're not going to be perfect, but yeah, we should walk in holiness as much as we possibly can with the help of the Holy Spirit because, you know, without Him, we can do nothing. We can't do this in our own strength. Um, but we are to continue to make progress. And, and people, uh, people will see that, that, that you are, because people that's been around a while, they kind of know, I mean, really, um, if you're really for real, and, and if you're not, they know. Uh, so you have to just be yourself and who God has made you because you can never do everything 100%. I mean, you're going to make mistakes, but if you do, uh, take those things before God, he'll forgive you and just move on. Yeah, and so the people are repenting. They've made some mistakes, and they're repenting really in three different areas. They commit to in this covenant, verses 30 through 39, uh, what this covenant involves is uh, verse 30 talks about the ro their romantic relationships, their sexual purity. They were unequally yoked. And so they were repenting and committing to living a pure uh, sexual life. Uh, in verses 31, they repent of doing business uh, because they were doing business uh, in an impure way. They weren't keeping the Sabbath. And so they wanted some moral purity in how they lived their life. And then in verses 32 through 39, uh, they committed to supporting God's work. Uh, with tithes and offerings, with being generous, having a generous spirit. And so let's sort of talk about those three things briefly. Sexual purity, moral purity, uh, having a generous spirit when it comes to leadership, um, I think are very all important. Let's first talk with just sort of that aspect of sexual purity, but not in the sense of sexual morality as far as um, affairs and those type of things, but what about just being equally yoked? How important is it to have a spouse that you're equally yoked with in ministry? That is on the same page as you. That's very important. If your ministry is going to succeed, you got to be on the same page. You and your wife, uh, you know, uh, in it together. And um, I, I think if God called once, he calls both. Some people don't agree with that. But uh, I think you have to uh, be uh, in it together and on the same page. And that goes a long ways because you will have the same uh, vision You'll be going into the same direction and it makes it a lot easier. What about with those people that maybe they have a calling or they have a, I want to do this. I want to be at the church five days a week. And their spouse says, I don't want you there five days a week. What do you do? Well, you can be overcommitted for sure. Uh, I've seen, I've seen over the years where pastors got divorced because they were overcommitted. They never spent time with the families. You know, they put the ministry just, all the time first before their families and their kids got bitter, uh, end up in divorce. So you got to balance it out. You can't just 
ministry, ministry, ministry all the time and ignore, you know, your family. And I think it's very important that, that you spend that time, you know, uh, with your wife and children because, you know, the ministry going to go on with or without you. Uh, so you, you really, you, you don't want your kids to grow up, you know, saying that, you know, my dad had time for everybody else and ministered to everybody else's needs, but he was never home to, uh, to really be with us because he was so busy with the church business and this and that and all that. So make sure that you balance things out. You know, you put your Lord and your family in the ministry, you know, so. And there's a lot of things that you don't have to do everything. You can delegate. You can spend time with your family. There's no reason why you can't. And if, you, and if you're not, you're off balance. you got to get back in balance. And, hey, you know, my family is very important because my kids are, are growing up and they'll soon be gone. And you don't want your kids to look back and say, well, my dad never had time for me. So make sure you spend that time uh, in, with your wife and family. It's very important. Uh, the next thing we see and sort of I want to discuss is they were doing business on the Sabbath. Uh, they weren't having integrity in their work because they were breaking law in that way. How is it, how important is it for us to operate our church um, sort of in the sense the business side with integrity? Well, integrity is very important, especially in ministry. Uh, you know, once you lose your reputation, I mean, it's very hard to get it back if you do ever get it back. Uh, we want people to be accountable. You know, we have two people counting the, uh, the funds. Uh, no one ever counts the funds, you know, the, the tithes and offer, offerings alone. Uh, we have two people doing that. So I tell my leaders, you know, to be accountable to each other and not to meet with, uh, with women by themselves. Because, uh, you know, people gossip. You can have the best intentions. Uh, but if someone, you know, drives by and see you with a, another woman that's not your spouse at a coffee shop someplace, you know how people talk. The first thing they're going to think, you know, you know, it gets around. So you don't want to put yourself in those kind of situations because Satan can really use those situations to, to try to destroy your integrity and your honesty. So you got to look out for pitfalls like that, things that could be uh, misconstrued. So I tell my leaders all the time, I said, you guys, you know, uh, if you see another leader doing something that he shouldn't, it's, it's your responsibility to confront him in love. And uh, it hasn't got to come to me, but if you think it should, then I get involved too. And we all can, you know, both of us can try to go to him and try to correct him. Loving accountability is really important. And it's important to have practical systems in place to operate with integrity. And so it's important to have integrity, not only in the way that we do business, but in our personal life and uh, and really pray and ask people to help us in that. And so lastly, the people wanted to be faithful when it comes to supporting the work of God, uh, because in those uh, last few verses, they really talk about giving generously tithes and offerings and giving funds. I mean, at one point they said, no, we have enough. Stop giving. Could you imagine that? Tell people to stop giving to your church because they're giving so much. Uh, how do you as a leader or how do we as leaders practice and encourage generosity in our fellowship? Yeah, they have to know. They have to know what the needs are and 
but it does take finances to run a church. It's like it takes finances to run your house. Um, when you give to the Lord, we take that money and we give it to missions. Uh, we feed the homeless uh, people that are on the street, uh, stuff like that. Uh, uh, do evangelism with that money. So what you're doing when you give to our ministry, you are, stir- you are storing up treasures in heaven. And what you do here is going to count there. So what you want to do is really uh, support the Lord's work. If you support his work, what you do here is going to last throughout eternity. And, uh, you know, your money, you, I know money is tight, but uh, I've always put the Lord first in my finances and he's always met our needs, always. I don't know how, because many times we couldn't afford to do it, and we did it anyway, and uh, the bills the bills still got paid. And this uh, blows my mind how that happened, but I think we should put the Lord first in every aspect of our life, even our finances. Um, I just think people are robbing themselves by not give, uh, supporting the Lord's work. And I tell people, if you don't have any finances, well, get involved in the ministry. We need yard work. We need help in the Sunday school. We need help maybe uh, setting up uh, chairs or something like that. Uh, Do something that uh, you haven't got to have money to do. You don't have to have money to do everything to serve in the church. Some things doesn't require money at all. Just give some of your time maybe to help out uh, serving. God will bless that too. Yeah, and he does bless us when we give out. I think it's Proverbs says those that uh, refresh others will be refreshed. Uh, Jesus said, obviously, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I believe, Paul said it's better to give than to receive. And so it is important. And you see that that people have this generous spirit and they're blessed because of that. And so that's chapter 10. Uh, We see the people just commit their ways to the Lord. Uh, They're writing things down. They're publicly addressing certain issues. They're making commitments. Uh, To finish this bonus episode, let's just talk about that. Just what's the importance of commitment when it comes to following and serving the Lord? What encouragement can you give us to just stay focused on the path to to really be okay with commitment? Because it seems like so many people are flaky. They're here, there, and everywhere. But how important is just to stay faithful to where God's called you to be? Uh, Give us some words of encouragement and wisdom on that. Be faithful where you are. What God has you right now, be faithful where you are and do the very best you can as unto the Lord. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, you're going to be in the same place he has you now five years from now because he could always move you into a different ministry. But be faithful in the small things. You know, you might say they're small you know, in your eyes, but in God's eyes they could be very very big. If it's just only cleaning the bathrooms or cleaning the church, you might think that's a small thing, but it's necessary. Uh, Somebody has to do it. So if you be small in those small things, God will give you greater things. But, uh, you know, so many people today, they want to be out front. You know, they want to be out front. You know, we've had people come to our church in uh, California. They were great musicians, and they come to our church a couple of weeks, and they want to they want to lead worship, and we tell them no because we don't know you yet. We get we want to get to know you first, and then we will see how God leads and guides us. Then we want to get a relationship with you, and then we'll see if God wants you to lead worship. Then, and a lot of them leave. A lot of them say, "Well, I said, well, why don't you come out here and help us do some yard work, or come out here and help us shampoo the carpet or something?" They don't want to do that. They say, "Well, God called me to teach." Well. Uh, 
I think a teacher should be a servant also. Uh, but we test people that way and see where their heart is at. I mean, God has not called everybody to be out front, but he's called everybody to serve in some capacity in a church because the church is going to function through faithful people. Uh, people doing just a little bit, just a little bit can make the church run so much smoother. But usually uh, most of the work will fall on a faithful a faithful few, most of the work. You have those uh, people that's always there no matter what. And sometimes they get burnt out because they're always doing it. And I think if you if you go into a fellowship and you're getting fed, I think you should uh, give to that church financially and also give your gifts and your talents and serve in that church. Find something to do, anything. Find something to do. You'll get blessed by serving. Yes, you will. And you know, this podcast is for you, those faithful few, the servants, the church leaders of the church, whether you're a pastor, a teacher, a worship leader, uh, or just like biblical content and learn about leadership principles, those that are serving God, man, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. There's great reward in heaven for you. And we want to do our best to encourage and equip you. And just to come alongside of you and say, uh, man, we are here for you. We want to encourage you. You're doing a great job. We love you. And the Lord sees everything and you do not labor in vain. So be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for you do not labor in vain. And it's such a pleasure to be able to bring you this type of content, have conversations and next bonus episode. That's right, my friends, we're going to get through this. I don't know how we're going to do it on this vacation, but we're going to do it. We're setting some time aside to have some hot conversations in my office talking through Nehemiah. That was chapter 10. We got a few more chapters ago, two more bonus episodes uh, through getting this book of Nehemiah. Uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And they're coming out every few weeks. And so uh, God bless you guys. We're praying for you. We love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Pastor Joe, for just having great conversations with us and that we can learn and glean from your ministry and wisdom experience. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope that you're enjoying this bonus content, these conversations with my dad as we complete the book of Nehemiah. You know, I found myself in a position learning so much great content and wisdom from other leaders as I have conversations. And so that's what I want to do with my Patreon page. As we have leadership lessons, things that we're learning from leaders, I want to dive deeper and go into more conversations, give you more content and create a community where even you can ask questions and have conversations conversations with me. I'd love for you to check out my Patreon page as I'm throwing up more content there to really connect and help equip and encourage you in the ministry. The new season five is coming out soon, the beginning of March. We have a few more bonus content episodes and we're gearing towards a great new year. May the Lord continue to give you vision, continue to be in your ministry and bless you and serve you well, empowering you to do his will for his glory praying for you all.